okay, let's do this fucking shit. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Sitting Ringside. I am your host, Robert, and my co-host, Arlo Jumper and David Rodriguez. What's up, fellas? How's it going? Good, brother. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Quick shout out to Rudy for uh, producing the show. And uh, also a quick shout out to Fight TV and to uh, all our uh, sponsors and our uh, partners, with uh, especially with Brave, um, huge shout out to them. Also, a, a huge shout out to our other show, Pride Rules MMA, um, over there with uh, Tommy and uh, Tyler King. Um, they go live every single Monday um, on YouTube um, and on our Facebook page. Um, also, uh, good news for them. Um, they're going to be uh, streaming live on Fight here pretty soon, so that's going to be uh, pretty badass. So, congratulations to uh, Tommy and to Tyler. Should be coming up on, on Monday. Should be the first uh, show, guys, officially on Fight TV for Pride Rules MMA with Tyler King and Tommy D. So, um, yeah, tune in, guys. Uh, we're going to have Jorgen DeCastro, UFC's Jorgen DeCastro, uh, on that first episode. So, check it out. Yes, sir. It's gonna be pretty. He doesn't badass. have. A, doesn't DeCastro have the densest bones in the UFC? I think Tyler was mentioning, right, Rudy? I think he proved it the other night too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he did. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, we got a good show tonight. Um, we're gonna be talking about UFC 250. Uh, UFC on ESPN 10 um, that's coming up this weekend and uh, we also have a, a guest uh, Jesse Unions. he is the CEO of Amateur Fight League uh, we are partnered with them and uh, our fight book MMA belt was also showcased on one of their events and our boy uh, uh, won the uh, the uh, the belt so you know, it's pretty badass that uh, we were able to see that. Um, Jesse actually did a whole uh, segment just on that fight on their YouTube channel. So pretty cool stuff, man. All right, guys. UFC 250. Where do we start? Because there's a bunch of badass knockouts, um, some, some awesome finishes. Um, so, yeah. What, what, what's your thought on that, uh, David? Yeah, that uh, that small octagon continues to deliver. Uh, 
you know, there's there's wicked finishes happening. Um, you kind of have to, you know what I mean? The matchups that the UFC have set, you know, for these cards, they got to credit the matchmaking too as well. And um, I think this card in its entirety was geared to, towards the Bantamweights where, you know, a lot of emerging contenders that came about, uh, title contention. I think Aljermaine Sterling pretty much, you know, has been, you know, announced as, you know, the next in line for the 135-pound title. Sean O'Malley taking out a former title contender in Eddie Wineland. And then we also had Cody Garbrandt with the hurricane fucking right punch that, you know what I mean? Probably a knockout of the year candidate. I mean, but then again, O'Malley starching out uh, Wineland is pretty badass. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of uh, bantamweight talent uh, just shows how much of a shark tank the 135 pound division is. That's what this car proved to me. Yeah, man. I mean, if like what, uh, with the very first uh, uh, fight with, uh, Gilbert Burns' brother, um, Herbert Burns. Yeah. I mean, he just went in there and just submitted uh, Evan Dunham, you know, pretty quick. So, you know, that that right there, I mean, just just to start the, the event with the submission win just that fast, I mean, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and then also – Oh, big time. Um, also with uh, Alex Perez, I mean, the way he just finished uh, Josier Formiga, um, I mean, he barely just nicked him. The last shot barely nicked his knee, and that was it. He folded. Yeah, so, also yeah, back to back up. He just kept chopping the leg. KOs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are back to back leg kick KOs. Credit to Alex Perez. I think he moved into the like the top five, I believe. He's right I up there. I think so. so. Yeah. yeah, at 125. I mean, we, we definitely need uh, all the talent we can at 125. There's still yet to be a champion crown <laughs> with uh, Triple Cringe giving up the title. You know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> Davidson Figueroa, we know what he did to Joseph Benavidez. But uh, hopefully they do sort that out and get a, a definite 125-pound uh, title fight. Uh, but, yeah, look out for Alex Perez. I think he's ranked number four now. And he's going to definitely be maybe in title contention, possibly with that win. Very impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what about you, Arlo? No, I agree with D-Rod. Dude, I mean, I was, that's why I like following him up. <laughs> I always love D-Rod's opinion right out the gate. <laughs> Especially just, I mean, the insights you give, dude. I was like, oh, I got nothing else to add to it. No, I love it. I love it, dude. Yeah, well, and, you know, and I'm just looking right here right now in the rankings, and, uh, yeah, he moved uh, to number five. I mean, to uh, number four from number five. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a good, a good uh, spot for him. I think one more fight, and if he wins, just like he did last time, title contention right there. Well, he's title contention now. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, mean I yeah, think but, but he needs knowing that, he how needs the UFC is. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to need to prove himself one more time and and finish the the guy. You know, yeah. however, and you know, it, it's got to be the way he won to be able to get that title shot. Absolutely. I want to see McLovin. I want to see McLovin get that title shot. Brandon Moreno. <laughs> Tough character too. Yeah, very tough. And I think uh, also coming out of nowhere, I mean, Chase Hooper had plenty of momentum uh, coming in. Not only does he look like Ben Askren's son, and he had the coolest interview with uh, Jorge Masvidal, <laughs> but 
he went in there against a tough Bruce Leroy. And I mean, I guess the UFC, I mean, Bruce Leroy has been in there and fought tough guys. Like he's fought Uriah's, like he's been in there against Warriors. And uh, mm-hmm. him, him, I guess he was supposed to be, yeah, you know, Hooper was supposed to run through him. But uh, Alex Caceres on a week where 30 for 30, you know, Bruce Lee, it should have, like they, they're not going to have Alex Caceres not on this card. But um, yeah, he proved that he's still, you know, the guy you got to get through. And I mean, even, even though he's, you know, whatever down the rankings, uh, he put uh, Chase Hooper back down the ladder. And he pieced him up too. He he. It wasn't like a, like I think there was a ten eight round in there too as well. So I think uh, uh, Hooper's got a lot of you know a lot of work to do, but he'll be back and uh, he'll probably yep. do another cool ass tweet whenever he wins or loses, shouting out uh Ben Askren. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy's funny, man. Um, <laughs> you know, and and a lot of people were always saying, you know, Alex Caceres, he's a stepping stone in the vision. You know, yeah. you know, if if you be him, you know, it's it's just another step for you to get up there in the rankings, but he proved everybody wrong, man. I mean, he was on point. He looked crisp. He looked freaking on point with his striking. Um, yeah, he just pieced up uh, Chase Hooper and, uh, you know, decision decision win for him. Um, those uppercuts, man, that one that he landed was badass. <laughs> but he's just uh, got a flashy style, you know, and I he think does, he, man. He does. He's made mistakes in the past in fights. I think Rudy referenced that too. And I mean, yeah, even like when he fought Yair Rodriguez, I think it was like maybe two years ago, that was a fight where he could have been, you know, up towards the top and Yair mm-hmm. was on the rise. And I think he took Yair pretty tough into like a, I think it was a five round main event in a, like Sioux Falls, South Dakota. But, um, you know, he's been in there against the Yairs. He's been in there against the Fabers. So uh, top guys at 35 and 45. But um, yep. like I said, this card uh, geared towards the Bantamweights uh, leading into this next fight where it was probably the most impressive uh, fight of the night where Sean O'Malley just went in there and I kind of felt it going that way. Like I didn't think it was going to happen with one punch, but I felt that O'Malley was going to finish Eddie Wineland. And I'm kind of curious to what they do with, uh, with uh, Sean O'Malley because he said that they've been giving him bones and he wants the whole pie, you know? So I think, I don't know. I've always said the John Dotson fight is, is good for him uh, next, but uh, right now I don't know if it's somebody on this card that he gets matched up with, but uh, he's got to have a top, top, top opponent, whether it's TJ Dillashaw, uh, John Dotson, whoever, like the next fight is going to get him into a title contention more than likely. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, and, and um, you know, a lot of people were, were bagging on uh, Eddie Wineland, you know, cause there, everybody's saying, oh, you know, Sean O'Malley beat a can or whatever. Come on, bro. Mm-hmm. Eddie is a fucking badass. He's, yep. he's been in there. He's been in a lot of wars. This dude is a vet in the sport. Um, and Sean O'Malley, I mean, he's just a young kid and, and um, you know, very durable. And that knockout was just, you know, it, it landed perfectly. Yep. It just landed perfectly. And to be 12 and 0, in the division that he's at right now, I mean, that speaks volume. Yep. 12 and 0 and as young as he is. Mm-hmm. And then I think now, now too, that he uh, he's negotiated, like, uh, you know, basically did it in the cage, you know what I mean? Because ultimately you got to prove it in the cage. And Sean O'Malley had, has had the hype behind him. Um, mm-hmm. He had the setbacks from the USADA violation, and, uh, you know, he was out for a bit. I think he could have been a little bit ahead of the game right now and probably fighting TJ Dillashaw or Dominic Cruz or whatever it is, but I see those fights in the near future. Um, I don't know if they'll match him up with Cody Garbrandt because I know we're going to get to that in, here in a bit. And then also, you know, top bantamweight, 
Algermain Sterling, long time coming for that guy. Uh, put away Corey Sanhagen quick. I mean, Sanhagen had the most momentum, I think, coming into this card, and uh, Aljo made it look easy. Yep. For sure, man, for sure. Now, Algermain Sterling, I mean, come on, give this guy a title shot. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he deserves to be uh, fighting for the title, man. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the UFC is thinking, but if this if this fight doesn't prove that he deserves to be fighting for the title, then I don't know what else Aljamain needs to do. What he needs to do is just keep winning. I mean, it sucks, but obviously – Obviously, he ain't the one that wanted to put in there just yet. So you got to just keep knocking out the fools or beating the fools that they're trying to hype through there. You know, there's a, there's an old saying: you keep winning, they can't <clears throat> deny you, and it sucks. But he's he's he's. I'm looking right now. He's ranked number two, mm -hmm. and they still they they still don't give him a title shot. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and Jose Aldo's three, right? And Aldo hasn't fought a or he's fought one fight nope. against Marlon Marias, and then uh, Marias, of course completely destroyed Aljo, but Aljo's came back with like four badass performances since then. But a uh, low key, I guess you can't really count out Marlon Marias, but um, in the sense of uh, or Sean O'Malley and matchmaking, like to throw a name out there, um, I think a Uriah Faber fight might be a good one. You know what I mean? For Sean O'Malley, if it's not the John Dotson fight, because Sanhagen just lost. He's probably not going to come back for a while. Uh, Pedro Munoz, very possible, but these are all killers. You know what I mean? Peter Jan's fighting uh, for the title, I believe, in two weeks, right? At the end of the month. Yeah. Yep, and Fight Island, right? Is he fighting at Fight Island? It's the, yes, three title fights, right? The UFC to 251. Yeah, I'm looking yep. right now. Yeah, yep. So UFC Fight Island, UFC 251. That's a good card right there, man. But once, yeah, we, get closer, once we get closer to that to that day, we're going to talk about this because it's, it's a stacked card. Yeah. And uh, let's see what we miss. Oh, no, Cody Garbrandt. Uh, Cody Garbrandt. Think oh, that, my God, dude. Because that fight, I mean, where it was on the card, we were—I I, mean, I wasn't really like a fan of it being the co-main event. But I Me guess either. you know, Rafael Sanchez has been in there against you know T.D. Dillashaw, the top competition. Cody mm -hmm. Garbrandt, former champion, really young and still young in his career. Uh, but I guess you know it delivered. I mean, fucking a Cody Garbrandt's been working with Mark Henry and still you know doing his thing with Uriah Team Alpha Male. So if he continues to worry about you know him doing his thing in the cage and not his edge up and his suits and shit, I think Cody Garbrandt can climb his way back in and probably knock some heads off and earn the belt again. Yeah, man. I, when uh, uh, the Ducross brothers, when they were uh, when they went live, and I was chatting on on their chat, I was I, I was telling them, why is it that this guy is a co-main event? Why? Why are they putting Garbrandt there? You know, it, it could have been Aljamain or even Neil Magny. Could have been the co-main event, but you know, Gar Gar Garbrandt proved me wrong. <laughs> so. The Neil Magny fight was snoozer of the night, though, by the way, even though he did get a pretty uh, dominant win uh, decision. So, Yeah, I mean, you could see him gas out right at the end of the second round, and then the whole third round, I mean, he started to pick up at the last two minutes of the third round. But, you know, you can see that he was already gassing, and 
you know, it, it wasn't like the most spectacular fight that on the card or, or even one that he's ever fought. Um, but yeah, man, I, the, the Cody, when, when I saw him lean back the way he did against the cage and just to throw that, that punch, dude, I mean, right at the, the 59 mark before the bell ring, just floored his ass. I guess he was able to do that because he doesn't have the longest arms in the world. So. <laughs> and I think uh, Asuncio too. I don't even, I don't know if he's ever been finished in his career. I think he may have been subbed, but I don't think he's ever been KO'd. Like I mean, that's a nasty KO. Wait, but I don't think he's ever been knocked out though. I don't know if this is the first time. Then kudos to Cody, man. And that's a hell of a first time. Yeah. <laughs> It is. I, and you know what, though? And I give I give all full respect to Sean O'Malley and to Cody because they did that walkout or walk-off uh, KO. Yeah. Yeah, no more damage to be done. Yeah, and see, and that sunset yeah. was late in his career, 37 years old, too. So this was a fight yes. where Cody was going to be able to get through him. I mean, that's a three-fight uh, losing streak, I think, for um, – for Asuncio, so he's in a tough spot at 135, and it kind of takes him out of the, the top rankings, even though he may be ranked, like, you know, 10 or 11, so. Mm-hmm. That, that's one of those career-changing KOs. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, like you ain't you ain't, nor, you ain't yourself after that. <laughs> you're a highlight reel. Oh, and- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're a highlight reel. <laughs> oh, and uh, he did. He was uh, finished once before back at UFC 128, where Eric Koch. I don't know if you guys remember that guy. He may actually still be in the UFC. Yeah, that was like but, uh, March yeah. 2011 or something. Yeah, it was a long time ago. So yeah, that being the only time uh, he's been finished with strikes. So, but other than that, uh, submissions. You know, but Uriah Faber, Diego Nunez. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember that that guy. I mean, geez. Two two losses to TJ Dillashaw though. So, uh, like I said, a Sunsales fought the best of the best. But yeah, the highlight reel KO, and people are just gonna probably remember this card for that mm-hmm. KO. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the three KOs. Um, well, one TKO, and then the two KOs, the Alex Perez uh, TKO win, and then the yeah. Sean O'Malley and uh, the Cody Garbrandt. Oh, Ain't nobody let's, talking let's about the main gla- event. Glass over uh, Cody Stamen's win, bro. The dude. Um... His little brother died, what two weeks yeah. before the event, and just yeah, that's um, true. You know he he carried that the weight of that shit on him for for like two weeks, bro. And he went into the fight camp. He didn't he didn't make ex- any excuses. He went in there and he grinded out a badass win against Brian Kelleher. And I mean, it, it was an awesome win for him, and it was awesome to see the uh, interview. With Joe yep. Rogan, you know, it was just very emotional. I don't know what about you guys, but that to me was probably one of the best uh, moments of that event for me. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can you can see it in uh, in Joe Rogan's face, um, and then the way he his voice started to to crack. I mean, it just it was very emotional. Um, you know, and uh, you know, our condolences to him and his family. Um, of course, so but also congratulations to his win. Um, yeah. Good, yeah, good win. It was a good win because that the was whole a whole night. I mean, the whole night was great, bro. Um, it was. Except for Alonzo the minefield, we didn't even talk about that dude getting pretty much glassed by Devin Clark. He was supposed to go in there and 
and take care of business. But dude, the longer that fight got, man, and this dude was a favored um, minus two twenty, dude. And Devin yeah, undefeated, undefeated, yeah, yeah. And, and on the note about on the Stamen win, I think honestly, Kelleher he had an impressive win not too long ago, like maybe two weeks ago. I think it was really it's too quick of a turnaround for him. Um, we we may see this benefit a lot of fighters because I mean you've heard Dana White say, and there's actually guys that are booked for next week that fought you know uh, two weeks ago, like Roosevelt Roberts is fighting next week against uh, uh, Jim Miller. So I think uh, there's going to be quick turnarounds for a lot of fighters, but in Brian Callagher's, uh, that that was a tough fight for him. Cody Stamen coming in, even with you know the tragic loss of his brother, he's he's a tough bastard, man. Like he had, you know, he was on a on a run. And I think he took a loss, uh, a hard loss, and that, was, that being his only setback, I believe, too. So he's uh, he's also on the rise, too. This uh, Bantamweight card was – it delivered on many levels. But, uh, yeah, shout out to Cody Stamen. Uh, that's a very good win. Uh, Kelleher, though, that's a tough one. That's a tough one to come back that quick against a guy as, as tough as Cody Stamen. Mm-hmm. And then not to mention, too, the cage is pretty small. Oh, that's also being factored in every day. It's delivering some nice finishes. The cage is being the, is the VIP right now. Back, back yeah. to back uh, weeks where <clears throat> young up and comers are supposed to come and take what's theirs, but they get starched by somebody above them. Just they get outclassed, bro. Yeah. Just back mm-hmm. to back. Outclass. Chase Hooper versus Alex Casades, man. I mean, this dude. I don't know, man. Alex Gossett is his striking was way above this kid. Oh bro. yeah, it wasn't even funny. It wasn't even funny. Yeah, and not to knock uh, Alex Caceres. He remi- he's like the Michael Johnson of like the one forty five, thirty five pound vision. <laughs> oh come on! And he That's keeps going. Up. No, no, in in the sense of he's gonna keep. I mean, Alex Caceres. I mean, you ask any fair weather. UFC fan, MMA fan, you mentioned Alex Caceres. I mean, they probably didn't remember this guy's in the UFC, but he's always fought top talent, similar to Michael Johnson's, always fought the yeah. best. And they line yeah. him up with guys where he's supposed to be a stepping stone, like you said, Rob. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, he did. It. And uh, like, like Rudy said, his striking has always been good, but definitely put a, you know, that's a, a statement win over Hooper, showing him that, you know, it's, it's deep out there, especially at 45 and especially at 35. Mm hmm. Yeah, and shout I, out to I, our, I our boy uh, Neil Neil Magny too for that win, bro, against uh, Rocco Martin. That was a good win. Yeah, man. it was a good win. I mean, like I said, you know, you can tell that he was gassing at the end of the second round, and you know, right at the last probably two minutes or so of the third round, he was uh, picking up the pace a little bit. Um, but shout out to him. I mean, he's a, a one of the members of the Five Book MMA group, so um, we always have to. You know, give shout outs to our members that are pro fighters and, you know, making a statement. So, um, good win with him. Now, the main event. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. The, the, the hype and the push that the UFC did with Felicia Spencer and Amanda Nunez was overboard, Way overboard, in my opinion. It was just too much of a hype for this type of fight, especially with Felicia. Not to knock on, on Felicia. She is a tough, tough fighter. This She can take a hit, 
and she's got a really good chin because she was getting those she was taking those strikes from amanda man i mean it, mm -hmm. it was you know kudos to her for for being able to to take those shots but it was just too much of a hype um I think Amanda Boy. was just Amanda could have finished this fight either in the yep. first or the second round. <laughs> Easy. The first through the fifth rounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a point in, in the uh, the fight where I think everybody was just screaming out to the TV like stop the fight already. Throw in the towel. That was like a third yeah. round. In the third Where's round. The that fucking round. hematoma. And then it just uh, got worse and worse. I'm like, bro, why are they just... Oh, well, let's keep watching. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we might witness another... Uh, uh, what is it? The Star Trek-looking uh, female fighter. Joanna. Man. Yeah, like Joanna. <laughs> wore it better. I, I still say JJ wore it better. Yeah. <laughs> no one will ever take that See crown it. from her. No. Right. And a lot of people too, uh, with Felicia Spencer, like you're saying the hype or like the lead up, the videos and everything. I think a lot of people that actually seen the fight with Cyborg knew that she was tough because she hung in there with Cyborg. She busted her up and like one of the very rare times that Cyborg was cut and like it was a nasty cut too. She took her all the, all the five rounds when Cyborg had the most hype when she was on top of the game. Um, at 45. So, and then she's also a previous champion as well. But uh, Amanda Nunez, I mean, she's taken on all comers. She made history that night. Um, I agree. She probably could have stopped the fight a lot earlier. She stopped a lot of legends early at their own game, you know. So, but uh, she's kind of, I don't know, she, she toyed around a little bit for the so late. Two, what's next? Two and a half what's years. next for her, guys? What's next for her, guys? Uh, since Triple C has retired. He's out of the question, so there's no potential matchup between them two. Remember, they were kind of hyping it up back in the day, a couple mm -hmm. months back. But um, who do you guys see? And who's next for her? I don't see anybody. Maybe going. I don't either. There's... <laughs> I don't. Really? I don't see anybody that's that's gonna be able to to beat her right now. No. Um, you know, I. I mean, I know Megan Anderson is out there tweeting and being pretty active on social media wanting mm -hmm. to uh, have a rematch with her, but um, no, no disrespect to Megan. I still think Amanda is still going to be able to start her. Um, it's just, I think right now Amanda is just at the peak of her uh, game and she just needs to chill for a little bit, enjoy life, enjoy her, you know, her uh, wife and uh, her uh, her new baby, yeah. yeah Enjoy the baby. Too. Yeah, you know. Let these Maybe. other girls try to fight and and see, and you know she can keep a lookout and see who's fighting right now, and then make a decision. Oh, you know who, who knows, dude. Maybe she'll just never want to fight again. I mean, what have you got? Hey, you know you got no, you got nothing to prove at this point anymore. Nothing. If she retires life. right now, if she retires right now, ain't nobody gonna knock on her, dude. And you, no. this nobody. would be the perfect thing and time to do it. To be quite honest with you, you know what? Say I'm gonna retire, and when you get your shit together, I'm gonna come back and mop the floor with all these girls again. And you're gonna pay <laughs> me a shitload of money to do it. Come back. Yes. Yes. Totally well, agree, man. And, and you know, you know, she doesn't have to retire for that either, though. She can just take a break. 
Yeah. You know, it, it don't have, it don't yeah. have to be labeled. It don't have to be labeled out as a dramatic, you know, as dramatic as like a uh, Conor McGregor would do, you know, and say I'm retiring just to come back in a year. Fuck, just just take it off for a year, you know, no, just say, hey, I'm taking a do it as a, a as a uh, as a uh, marketing gimmick, Boy. you know. She could make yeah. a ton more. I mean, she, I'm pretty sure she makes a lot of money now, but you're talking Conor <laughs> McGregor money, you know, hey, put yeah. me back into a fight like this. Uh, I don't know, bro. She's wiped everything. She's wiped it. Yep. Wiped them clean. I, I don't know what to say about her anymore. No, there's nothing you can, dude. I mean, she's just bad. Yep. And I so think if she does, like, her next fight, like you said, Arlo, she takes some time off, whether it's a year or so. Uh, I think her next fight will be at 135. I think there's more contenders yep. there. I think the 45 division, even if uh, Dana decided to shut the door and close it off, he could probably do that too. But 135, there's Bullet. there's some low matchups there for her. I think, uh, what is the matchup for Holly Holm? Irene Aldana? Aldana's yeah. got some hype behind her. She can get through Holly. Um, I yep. think Aspen adds another name out there, but over the course of like the next six or seven months, that's going to determine, you know, a, a top contender. But uh, yeah, yeah, take some time off. Next fight's going to be at 135 for sure. For, yep. Yeah, because Jermaine Durand me possibly, but I think there's other uh, title contenders that will emerge though. Oh, absolutely. They'll, they'll be able to hype somebody within a year. Somebody will come out and and be second place to her. But, but I mean, you know, like I said, yeah, absolutely. I agree 100 percent. Take the time off. Let let uh, let the hype train build on somebody else. That's all it's doing. You're just going to let someone because right now what she's doing is she de- she's derailing the hype trains. She's yeah. cutting those hot trains off. As soon as they start, she cuts them off. They don't have no time to beat anybody. So they they it's and I don't I hate putting it this way, but it's it's not that she's not beating anybody. She's just making them look like nobodies. And so Very so she good. needs so she needs that hype. She needs that little layoff. And plus, I'm sure you know as active as she's been, you probably got a little few nicks, little wounds here and there that need healing. Uh, take a little time off, enjoy it. Let somebody else get that all that hype up. Even if it's like what Rudy says, you know, for the money part, go and retire and, you know, relinquish your belts. Let someone else win it. Come in, take them back. Make it look <laughs> 10 times, make it look 10 times better. I mean, yeah. so that's like, I'll agree with Rudy on that part. That's probably what she's going to do. She'll probably end up announcing a retirement and come back like in a year, year and a half. Let somebody else run through the division, stay training, stay active. Yeah. Well, Mark, he uh, commented on here. What about a boxing match? Yeah, because uh, Shields and her has been doing I was just going to say, Clarissa Shields would be a mm-hmm. perfect matchup for her. Yeah. Uh, Shields? I, I think that'd be a really good fight. It would that'd be. be one of, that would be one of the few crossover fights that I would really say could go either way. The only, the only thing that's going to help out Shields is she's a two-time gold medalist. Yep. That's that's the biggest that's the biggest thing that people is are not gonna factor in is that that girl's been at the top forever fighting top mm-hmm. level competitions. The thing yep. about the thing about Amanda though is it's gonna be she's tough as fuck. She yeah. is. I mean, she's very tough. Yeah, and I don't I don't I don't know if Shields has fought anybody quite as tough as her that that can throw and is not scared to throw can take the punch. So that's that's gonna be a huge deciding factor. Uh, experience wise though, I, I give it all to uh Clarissa just because like I said, the two the two time gold medalist, etc. Oh, got her guest on. Yes, sir. 
All right, guys. So uh, right now we are joined with our guest, Jesse Nunez, CEO of Elite Amateur Fight League. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. What's going on, guys? Uh, glad to be on the show. How's everything going? Good. Everything's going good, man. Everything's going good. Um, Jesse, this uh, right here, we have uh, Arlo Jumper and we have David Rodriguez and then uh, our producer, uh, Rudy Lara. So um, welcome to the show, man. I'm glad that we were able to get you back on. Um, you know, it's uh, we've always been talking, you know, for a while that uh, we need to try to uh, get you on the show and uh, and finally happened. Um, now, for everybody that doesn't know who you are, um, go ahead and tell everybody, you know, uh, what uh, Elite Amateur Fight League is, um, how did it come about, and uh, um, yeah, man. Cool, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, you know, the Elite Amateur Fight League is is really uh, basically the NCAA version of mixed martial arts, right? So I want you guys to think really quickly what the NFL or the NBA would be if there was no NCAA, mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of the state of mixed martial arts, right? We You've got the, the top level of the UFC and, and some of the other pro promotions doing an awesome job at the top, but really the sport was developed in a backwards manner. Uh, if, if you look at the NFL or big sports like football and basketball that are even more profitable than, than MMA is, it started with college football and college basketball. It mm -hmm. took 20 years for the NBA to get established after the NCAA was running its tournament. It took 25 years for the NFL to get established after college football was established, right? So the sport of MMA was kind of developed backwards and you know it's they're doing a fine job at the top, but no one stepped in and developed a national amateur platform that I think is needed for the sport to evolve. And that's what we did with the Elite Amateur Fight League. Uh, we're a state versus state, team versus team, national amateur tournament, matching the best amateurs from across the country in a head-to-head -head format. And uh, that's really what our goal is and that's what we're doing. Absolutely. I like it. I like it. Like, like you, you, you defined it perfectly by saying these combat sports start backwards. Boxing did it. MMA did it. Uh, and what you're basically doing is setting, setting a kind of like how USA Boxing has their amateur program. They, they got one big unified, you know, boxing program. That's exactly what you look like you're doing. I like it, man. I love it. That, that's what's up. Yeah, man. And, and you know, with the current topic, you know, with, a lot of the fighters complaining that that they're being underpaid. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, and, and I know those fighters put a lot into what they do and they mm -hmm. risk a lot to be a fighter. I wish everybody can get paid as much as they possibly can. But the reason uh, an NFL quarterback in his rookie season and a, an NBA point guard in a rookie season sign a million-dollar contract is because they're bringing value to the league immediately. They're, they're, they have marketability, right? Everybody knows who that guy is the day he signs mm -hmm. a contract in the NFL where he's got millions of fans that want to see him compete on the next level. And we don't have that for MMA. And that's really what we're trying to create. Absolutely. And you have uh, uh, teams in different parts of the States and even one here in New Mexico, um, you know, the New Mexico predators, um, some, uh, I don't know do, do, uh, if I'm uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the fighters from that league are coming out of Jackson's right. Yeah, so we've got 12 teams in 11 states going into this year. Last year, we had eight teams. Uh, we've got teams in Northern and Southern California, New Mexico and Arizona, Illinois, Indiana, Florida, and Virginia. This year, we're adding Connecticut and Massachusetts. Mass I can never say that. Massachusetts. 
<laughs> Massachusetts. My, yeah, yeah, it's just a harder, man. It got me on a podcast trying to say Massachusetts. But, uh, <laughs> hey, then, the Latino comes out. <laughs> right? Come on, man. But, uh, uh, then, you know, so we're going to be at 12 teams this year, but the, the team that's created out of New Mexico the last two years uh, was led by Jackson Wink. Uh, Joey Villasenor led up the charge there, put put a mm-hmm. really good team together the, in season number two. They won the national championship. In season yep. three last year, they got knocked out in the first round by Arizona. And then um, one of our uh, uh, championship belts was on the line for uh, with Keenan Jackson. Um, you know that was pretty. Uh, when uh, when Harvey you know, texted me and he said, "Hey, call me," I was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> so old Harvey. Yeah, I was like, "All right." So we started talking, and he's like, "Hey, how would you like to put a fight book MMA belt for on my uh, Epic Fighting uh, card?" but it's going for the Elite Amateur Fight League. I was like, wait, with Jesse? And he's like, yeah. I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so man. when uh, when I heard that it was uh, uh, Keenan Jackson fighting, um, I was like, hell yes. Because Keenan is a fucking beast, man. Um, if nobody that's watching right now or listening has ever seen a Keenan Jackson fight, YouTube him. Yeah, because he sure. is. We got we got fights out there that you can YouTube, and, and so that's a funny yeah. story. So what happened there? The full story is Keenan is part of Team New Mexico. Team New Mexico beats Arizona. They're going to Southern California to fight uh, the the team out of out of Northern California, which is Alpha Male, and the guy from Alpha Male or whatever whatever match we had for him coming out of Northern California dropped out last minute, and uh, so I tell Harvey, man, we listen. I already bought Keenan the ticket. He's already got a hotel. Like, let's try and get this kid a fight. Like, I, I don't want to see it go to waste. It won't be part of the team versus team thing, but, you know, let's get him a championship. I know you got a 170-pound belt over there that, that that's unoccupied. He's like, I can do better than that. You know, let, let me call the guys over at Fightbook MMA. And I said, oh, wait, do what you need to do, man. Do what you need to do, but let's get Keenan a fight. So, uh, yeah, he, he matched up against, I believe, Marcus Walston out of SoCal. And, uh, man, it was a great fight. As you said, man, Keenan's a beast. And uh, mm-hmm. really dominated that fight. But, you know, I also got to hand it to Marcus. He took that fight late notice against a guy that that is a tough competitor. And uh, it was one of the better fights of the night. And you can watch it on our YouTube channel. Just look mm-hmm. at Jackson versus Mar- Marcus Walston. Uh, one of the great fights that we've had. Uh, check it out. Yeah. It was a, it was really a, a cool honor to be able to hand uh, Keenan Jackson the belt uh, right there at Jackson Week's uh, gym. Um, you know, it, it was just, it was, it was pretty surreal, man. When I got the belt in the mail, I was like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when you, when you called me, man, and showed me the, the videos of it and the uh, photos. It's pretty awesome, bro. Pretty damn yeah. awesome. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll need to do another belt, um, Jesse. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to talk offline and, uh, figure something out and maybe do another, uh, a belt division. Yeah, for sure, man. So what our plans are for this year is uh, we're going to have a 12-team tournament. And, you know, with the whole COVID pandemic happening, we were supposed to start building our teams up in March. And, you know, right as it hit, we had to cancel three events. We were building Team Illinois. We were building Team Tennessee. We were building Team uh, Kentucky. And all those all those events got canceled. And so, you know, we had to adjust our plan on, on how we were going to get this done. Normally what we do is we would have six in- individual events in six different states 
team versus team in a tournament format. And uh, with COVID and the pandemic, we're not going to be able to do that. So we've shifted yeah. plans and we're going to have a studio show. We're going we're gonna to film it like the Ultimate Fighter, bro. We're going to bring everybody to one location, film everything in a weekend, end up with six events uh, for the round number one of the tournament. And uh, our broadcast partners, when they heard the plan, were enthused because they don't have to wait a month in between. Like, we're going to be able to record it all and supply it to them. They're going to run it week after week after week like an NFL season. So they were they were really excited about uh, the new format we're going to take out. Man, that's that's pretty awesome that you're going to be able to do all that because, like you said, you know, it's 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 hard and expensive to actually travel to each and every single state yeah. Try to get the venue, making sure the fighters are, you know, are healthy. They're, you know, doing their weight cuts, medicals. I mean, everything has to be involved in putting on just one show. Right. And to do it for every state that you guys have the teams at. Yeah. It just makes more sense to do it in one location, like uh, Ultimate Fighter, film it, and then spread it out. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, it's a tough task, man. What we're doing is not. It's not an easy task. Uh, we do a great job at the small team we have. Uh, you know, we're working with the promoter in Southern California, like Jason and Harvey over there with Epic. And, you know, they're pulling their hair out about one event. And at the same time, I'm planning three other events that are a month or a month and a half out. You know, <laughs> I'm like, dude, you've got one show this month. Like, I got four and they're in different states. <laughs> I don't want to hear you complaining. Like, this is fun. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with the new format, we're going to be able to at least wrangle in some of the madness. There's always madness. You know how it goes, man. We're gonna have. Oh yeah. Uh, we're, we're gonna have fighters, you know, uh, drop out late. We're gonna have to get replacements. Booking tickets isn't cheap. You got to book it in a way where you can change the name. Uh, like uh, what we're doing, it, it's a it's a huge task, man. And it, travel alone, we're at like I, I forget what the number was, like twenty four thousand dollars just to get the fighters to one location. And we're talking about Jesus. having them all, you know, for 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 three days, and then. Uh, we got to have a production team on staff for two full days. We got to bring all our talent in, our our play-by-play -play guys, our cage side reporter. Like, it's a huge endeavor, man. And uh, there's no way to do this on on this level without any type of TV revenue. And it's the only way we can do it. So, uh, yeah, you know, we're working on a bigger TV deal right now. We're on NBC Sports Regional Networks. We're trying to get more of a broadcast deal. Our content has all of a sudden become really valuable. Because there is no live sports out there today, right? And they see that MMA is one of the sports that can actually pull something off during the pandemic. So, you know, we've been in talks with everybody that, that you know, wouldn't pick up the phone for us before. Now they're calling us. And, and we're, you know, <laughs> it, it's a good thing. It's a, it's a good thing to have that dialogue now that we didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, hey, that's pretty – too. go ahead. I want to ask you, too, pre-COVID, I know everything, it kind of, you know, the mixed martial arts world, the sports world got, you know, in a tailspin. But like you said, MMA is active right now. The UFC, so many eyes are on it and mixed martial arts. My question to you is, uh, did you guys have plans to, you know, get something together with Joey and Team Jackson Wink here in Albuquerque and possibly put on a show here, you know, in the plans to end 2020 or so? Yeah, so what we're going to do is is we're, we're scoping out all the different states where we have teams. And right now, Florida and uh, and California just opened up. That there's as well are the only two states that are allowing or giving amateur event permits right now, right? So yeah. Illinois, where, where I'm from, in Chicago, they're not giving out permits. It's where we plan on having the show, but really, it's going to depend on which state is open to letting us have an amateur mixed martial arts event. Uh, which one will give us a permit? What those restrictions look like, right? Because 
in some states like Arizona, who who just opened the gate as well, they got you got to take three COVID tests. You got to take one before you leave. You got to take one when you get there. You got to take one before the fight. That's that's you know I think it's two hundred and twenty bucks at the COVID test times one hundred and twenty uh, athletes and coaches. Like there's there's no way for me to feasibly do that. So you know we got to find a place for us to uh, to have an event where it's, where it's actually possible. Uh, you know, I'm all for testing the guys because I want to make sure everybody's safe. But I, I know I can't afford to do three tests times 120 guys. I can't bite fight. I don't have the money for Fight Island, man. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, I don't think anybody does except for the UFC. <laughs> right? Talking true. about Roberto, you have that money, bro. <laughs> okay. If I did, I would have been right there with Jesse. Yo. <laughs> 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 yeah, we don't have that kind of money and you know another thing i want to talk about really quickly have you guys heard that we're uh we're doing an equity crowdfunding raise i was going to mention i was going to ask you about that if you can talk a little bit more about that man yeah so everybody knows what crowdfunding is right in, in the early days you supported a product and then you helped them develop it or you supported the cause and they sent you a t-shirt that says you know i support this cause or whatever but uh a couple years ago they, uh, they created equity crowdfunding that allows non-accredited investors to invest into a private company for as little as $100, right? So uh, when we saw that, we're like, man, you know, we could use some extra capital to get this thing going. Why don't we open up some ownership shares to the fans? So what we're doing is uh, we filed with the SEC. We got our license to, or we got our raise number uh, for us to raise money legally through SEC crowdfunding. And, uh, and equity crowdfunding. And so now we're offering 10% of the Elite Amateur Fight League in shares to our fans. And uh, they can invest for as little. Right now, the minimum limit is 300 bucks. But for 300 bucks, you can actually own shares in the Elite Amateur Fight League and be an owner, be part of the ownership group that helps us build this awesome league. That's what's up, man. That, that's pretty badass. Because that, that right there is just an extra, you know, revenue for this uh league to grow even more you know and then what 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 better way than to say hey you know what i invested in this league and i'm part owner yeah yeah and you know we 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 think we're gonna have a really successful run uh we did an independent audit got an evaluation at a five million dollar pre-money valuation so that's what we're raising at and and if we look at the the scale of the business if we could scale to the 32 teams that we want to scale to when we get to 32 teams, we, pr- we plan on franchising off each one of the teams, the private business owners. And if you look at even an amateur, or not an amateur, but like a AAA baseball team, like the minimum value there is like a million bucks. We have 32 teams times a million dollars that we could franchise off. All the investors are going to make 10 times their money. You know what I mean? And that's that's really the plan is to not only make them part owners of the league, but give them an opportunity to actually make some, some money back. Right. You got something, David? Uh, no, I was saying, cause like I asked him like before, uh, before the COVID would love to, I, I'm pretty sure you guys would have probably put on a show here in New Mexico. There's a couple venues. Like you said, you're partnered with Joey Villasenor, the Jackson wink team. Uh, it, it's everything's just on the back burner. Cause New Mexico, uh, when the MMA shows are here, the venues that we have, there's always a great turnout. And seeing an event like yours, uh, your promotion like yours, come to New Mexico in Albuquerque, being uh, us being partners and affiliates too as well, 
um, you know, the fight book MMA belt being defended here in New Mexico. Would uh, love to see that happen too as well. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, that I really love about uh, Albuquerque, man, it's it's Fight City. Like, you you don't have a basketball team. You don't have a football team. Yeah, no. You guys rally <laughs> around. You guys rally around fucking MMA, and I love it. Like, yeah. it, it would be a great place to have an event. Uh, you know, there are other promoters already in that area that I'm sure don't want to see me coming. But, uh, you know, yeah. at some at some point, I, I can see us having an event in Albuquerque. <laughs> Yeah, I got you, man. I can't make everybody happy. So that's a no, David. That's a big freaking no. Shut your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Next question. (laughs) I'm sure it would have been a great turnout no matter where the venue is. There's so many options. But uh, like you said, though, that's for sure. Albuquerque is a fight city. Um, definite killers have been proven champions coming out of Albuquerque. So seeing your promotion come here, um, you know, like you said, you're the Builder League, the NCAA division of MMA, and people appreciate that. I mean, MMA fans come out, the hardcore come out, and just for about any any event. So I think uh, had you guys had, had this COVID thing not happen, uh, would love to seen this summer play out with you know all all the events that are supposed to happen, including yours say in a you know what i mean the convention center in albuquerque um there, there's a couple tingly and i'm sure it'd be a great turnout we'd promote the hell out of it too for sure i'd like to say i'm I'm excited about uh what the future holds for you uh and uh and your organization considering everything going on with the whole covid mess like you said a lot of doors and uh people that weren't exactly picking up your phone are, are calling you now because there's nothing, there's nothing on, on the air right now. You know, people were just a huge demand for mm-hmm. for uh, sports in general. And what better way to bring it back than to have something like the um, the Ultimate Fighter? But you know, kicking it old school, man. Going back to uh, pre, uh, I guess pre UFC. Yeah, I like uh, it, man. Know- I like it. I'm I'm excited for you guys. I appreciate it, dude. You know, and, and we look at the the end. We did a lot of research and development before we dove in head first because, I mean, this was a we lost money for five years. I mean, that's all there was to it. We knew we were going to lose money going into this. Uh, we turned a corner last year uh, into profitability, but we took a full year of research and development. And there's a ton of leagues out there, right? You've got the UFC. Uh, they're making they're making money. I don't know if Bellator's making money. Professional Fighters League raised a shitload of money, but I don't think. They're in a profitability stage at this point. Uh, and, and I think the, the reason is simply uh, nobody watches AAA baseball on television because you don't want to watch a third-tier professional product on TV, right? You watch the NFL for the NFL. You watch the NBA for the NBA. You don't watch the D-League of the NBA. You watch the NBA. And, you know, fighters in Bellator and, and, and in Professional Fighters League, a lot of them are either washouts from the UFC or guys who couldn't make it to the UFC. Uh, and so, you know, why wouldn't you just watch the UFC instead of watching those products? You know, so looking at that, I didn't want to be the fourth best professional MMA league in the country. And uh, I wanted to be the best amateur league in the country. Everybody watches the NCAA, right? The NCAA basketball tournament mm-hmm. makes a billion dollars in five weeks, guys. They make a billion dollars in five weeks. And the only thing amateur about the NCAA basketball tournament is the status of the athletes. Yeah. Because half of the guys can be professional NBA players that very same day. Yep. And that's okay. that's why I'm I'm excited about your organization, man, and what it can uh, do for a lot of people 
um, that are coming into the sport. Um, it's just going to be, it's going to be great things, man. Great things. I, I see a lot of good things coming from this whole, uh, situation. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah. So like how you were saying, you know, that, uh, you want to be the number one of the amateur league or the amateur status of MMA. Right. Um, because like, you know, the, they always, they always push that the LFA is the feeder league of the UFC, you know? Um, but where did those guys come from? I mean, they, they fought in the amateurs, but nobody knew who they were until they got into the LFA. Well, and let's be honest, a lot of the, I mean, if you watch an LFA card, I couldn't even, I mean, even as an MMA fan, I can't name 80% of those guys. Neither could I. <laughs> I don't know who they are. So, and I think the travesty is, is that we don't know who they are. We should know who the next big talent is going to be as an amateur, not as a, not when they're finally a ranked professional in the UFC. Like, that's the only time the, the average MMA fan knows who these guys are. Like, we should know the rookie of the year coming coming up the chain. We should know that next big talent as an amateur. And that's that's what we want to do, man. That's that's our goal. And, and if we can do that, everything else will take care of itself. Yeah. Um, I forgot the, there we go. The IFL, you know, they tried to do this. Yeah. They tried yeah. to do this. And the only reason why I remember the IFL is because of uh, Chris Horodecki. Um, I, I, I was following him because of, of one of his fights that I was just flipping through the channel. And one day they were televising uh, a live event of the IFL. And I was like, what the hell is this? And it was a, a team versus team type deal. Yeah. Um, but the thing with that, it was nothing but professionals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and I, so if it wasn't for the IFL, I wouldn't have known who Chris was. Right, right. You know what I mean? And, you know, and I, I really think the team versus team is, is, a, is a unique identifier behind what we're doing. And I think it makes a lot of sense on the amateur level. Uh, on a oh, professional yeah. level. I don't know that these guys want to be part of a team, right? They want to be the best pound for pound champion of that weight division. They're not, they may train in a gym and on a team, but they don't want to compete as a member of a team as a professional. And I get it. It's an individual sport at the highest level. They want to be that individual pound for pound champion and team versus team really doesn't make a whole lot of sense on a professional end of things, but on the amateur end of things, I really think it does because these guys are training in gyms with, with their teammates, they're traveling, you know, to, to local shows or regional shows together. And uh, there's a lot of state pride behind these gyms and what they do and what they're building. And uh, on the amateur level, I think these guys, if we can give them the exposure of an NCAA athlete and, and put them on a team where the average sports fan will start identifying with the team out of New Mexico or out of Illinois, right? The, your, your casual sports fan, uh, I think, is more likely to root for Team New Mexico than for Keenan Jackson, right? But then they're going to meet Keenan Jackson through Team New Mexico, become fans of the sport, become fans of Keenan. And I think that's where the team versus team aspect really makes us a unique uh, uh, a unique identifier. And, and I think we're going to grow the fan base through these the geographical teams. Yeah. You know, and I really like this because, you know, like the, a lot of the amateurs, especially because, you know, me and David, we cover a lot of the amateur and uh, uh, fighters here and the promotions that put, you know, their events out here. And uh, a lot of these amateurs, they just come and go. 
It's like they, they show up, they fight one or two fights, and then you're like, whatever happened to this guy? Right. But right. it's because they're not getting pushed um, the way they should, even though they have the talent and, and the skills to be able to further their career in the mixed martial arts. But it, it, it's for some reason, like the, the a lot of the local events, that's all it is. It's, a, it's just a local event. It's a promoter that has a, that has a promotion and says, hey, Let's get a bunch of guys, you know, and put a show on. Sell but what happens to them? <laughs> yeah, let's sell some tickets. Let's put, you know, and see how much money we can make that night. Right. Well, um, I mean, or, it's it's just I I don't you know it's 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 doing that is fine. Yeah, because the amateur is getting that experience to fight in the cage. But something like this, like what you're doing, you're actually putting their name on the map. You're actually saying, you know, I fight for, you know, the New Jersey uh, squadron or whatever. You know, that's the MMA team that I fight fight at, fight for. And my goal is to become a pro because of this team. Right, right. And, you know, to, to your point, and I want to start by saying this because I think a lot of people misunderstand me when I get into this statement. I think local MMA is the life's blood to all of MMA, right? These guys got to have somewhere to start. They got to get that that experience, get in the cage, and and get those first you know four or five fights out of their way, whether they're wins or losses, whatever it is. It is truly the life's blood of MMA. These local promotions, but with that being said, it is also very promoter centric, right? That that part of the sport, meaning it's more about the success of the promoter than it is about the success of the fighter. Uh, you sure. know. The, the, the promoter's got to sell enough tickets to be profitable. And don't get me wrong, guys, because I am a local promoter, and I know how hard it is to make money at these shows. And I, I get why they don't want to bring guys in from a from afar and pay for a, a plane ticket because that kid's not going to sell any tickets. Maybe he brings one or two people with him. And it's hard to be profitable if you got half the card that isn't selling any tickets to your show, right? So I, I get why it doesn't happen on that local level. And, uh, and truly – you know, these events need to happen for these guys to get that experience to be 5-0, and to be 4-0, to be 6-0 and amateurs. But once they've reached that point, my job is then to find and identify these top-level talents in each one of these regions and give him more of an opportunity uh, to fight on a national level in front of a television audience, build a brand, build his exposure so that he has marketability to any professional promotion that he then moves up to. And that's, that's what we do, man. Yeah, yeah. See, just, you, you couldn't have said it best, too, just because, like Rob said, we cover a lot of events. Ru- Rudy's also covered Arlo, but these events are eyes only events. You buy the ticket, you're there. It's a lot of people, local, you know, local talent that's there. But uh, you know, on your level, it's the exposure, uh, getting more eyes on them. You know what I mean? Because I love covering MMA amateur from the top to bottom. Any show I've been to, uh, you know, we take the professional photographers there. We treat them just like they're the next champion, you know, and that's kind of the approach that we do here at Fight mm-hmm. Book MMA. And that's okay. why I think, um, you know, your type of promotion, I mean, it's just about the eyes and the exposure, like you said, and getting uh, just getting more eyes, period. Because, yeah, some of these shows people have never experienced. You have to be there to see it with your own self. And sometimes you got to pay the ticket price. We... At Fight Book MMA, we're lucky to be sitting cage side, sitting ringside. So we we treat it as a that's our job, it's our business, and we're there to promote everybody. That's yeah. great. <laughs> it's funny yeah. to say that, man, because the Elite Amateur Fight League is actually born out of the premise that you just explained. So uh, 
you know, I've, I had some production experience with the Home Improvement Television Show, huge combat sports fan, had an opportunity to produce an MMA show. This is way back six years ago. And uh, we designed a show called, or we concepted a show called Fighter First. And it's exactly what you're saying, bro. It was going to the local show, meeting the up-and-coming local fighter, interviewing him, showing highlights to his fight so that the fans can meet the future uh, star of, of the sport, right? That, yeah. that was the premise of the Fighter First show. So we're here in Chicago. We go to the Chicago show, and the promoter says, hey, man, I won 45-er. Ain't no. This guy's going pro. You'll see him in the UFC. This is the guy. Goes out, smashes his guy in 30 seconds. That first fighter first show, I'm like, holy shit, this is gold. This is the best show ever. Like, this is going to make a million dollars. This is great. So then we drive up to to Milwaukee, and that promoter, hey, my 145-er, he's ain't no. He's the best guy in the country. He's going pro. He's going to the UFC. Smashes his guy in under a minute. And I'm like, shit, I just filmed this show. <clears throat> then we drive over to Omaha, Nebraska. That promoter, my 145-er, the best ever. I'm like, shit. Like, this has no legs. It's the same story in every region. There's this local pro, and it, I can't put the same story on TV over and over again. <clears throat> and uh, on a long drive back from Omaha, the Elite Amateur Fight League was born, man. It was like, hey, what if we can get these guys to fight each other? Like, well, let's let's make that happen. Let's get that 145er from Milwaukee to fight the 145er from Omaha and the guy in Illinois to fight the guy from Indiana. If we can make that happen, there's a giant hole in this multi-billion dollar industry that we can fill. And that's really how the Elite Amateur Fight League is born. That's perfect right there, bro. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And that's what we, we focus a lot um, here uh, at Fight Book. You know, we we always like to interview the the amateurs. We like to, to give them the exposure, as much exposure as we can, um, you know, through our show, um, you know, offline, written, whatever. We, uh, we, we it's always been my uh, my goal, you know, and 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 our goal now to help uh, give these amateur fighters that exposure, um, you know, because I, I myself was an amateur fighter, so you know I I know how it is, you know, you walk in the cage and ain't nobody know who you are except for your family that's out in the crowd, and you so know. <laughs> And it's like, who's this guy? <laughs> so you know, having a to be able to have a league, that right there, man. It's it's just I love it, man. And that's why I reached out to you, and then that's why we talked. Uh, you know, that one day, and let we said let's join forces and and uh, let's push uh, these amateurs, man. Yeah, man. Now, I, don't think, I don't think it's an accident that that we you know link up with each other. You guys have a great format. Uh, we have the same goal in mind and we're trying to get these fighters exposure and uh, you guys do a great job with what you do. So it, there was no accident on how we linked up. I mean, our, our goals are very similar. Yep. Arlo. Now uh, with, with your amateur program you got going on here, do you have them ranked or, or are they going to be ranked individually as right. well as team wise? So this year we're going to have the team versus team. A mm -hmm. right? And the way the team versus team tournament works is it's very similar to a wrestling duel. If you're, if you're familiar with the wrestling, duel. Yep. you're going to get an individual win or loss regardless. So everybody gets an individual win or loss, but mm -hmm. the team gets points on how you finish, right? So yep. if you get any type of finish, submission, knockout, stoppage is six points for your team. A, a unanimous decision is four points. A split decision is three points. The team with the most points moves on in a tournament. 
So that's how they're they're going to be ranked as far as teams go. But as okay. far as as far as athletes go, you may have, you know, just a, a killer at 170. He may be the best guy on your team, but his team doesn't move on, right? He wins his fight. Yep. He gets held back. So what we're planning on doing is after the season's over is having an individual weight by weight individual yep. now. So but I we get got, to, got to get through the season to get to that point. Absolutely. I like it. That's what I was that's what I was waiting. My whole question was marinating <laughs> on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, like I, w- I wanted to make sure you weren't going to explain it before that. I'm like, I'm holding this question. You have to stop me from talking because I'll talk That's all right. all night. That's all right, man. As you're informative, so you can talk all night, man. We It's different than people that just want to hear themselves talk. <laughs> right? <laughs> and we know a few of those people are low. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we? Yeah, man, I absolutely love that, though. I, I love the idea of, of the end of the season and, and then doing a, doing a single. Because, yeah, you, you made perfect sense when you said you may have a guy at 170, 170 that's a crusher, but his team sucks. Right. So, yeah, and what I love most about it is how you're going to expose these amateurs because right now, what and you know this, Berto, you all, everybody knows this part, but right now all we got is 50,000 leagues out there for, that spread all these guys apart individually in each state. You know what I mean? And occasionally they'll fly in, like you said, one dude here or there, but no one really gets that exposure that you're about to give them. Right. Like, you got, you got – you're only flying a guy in if you think your champ can beat him. Exactly. Right? You're not flying a guy exactly. in if you think he's going to win. To lose. Yeah, you're, yeah, not, you're, you're not, not flying him in to win. Yeah. True. And that's okay. just truth. And we all know that. Like, if we could yep. bet on some of these local, regional promotions, I'd be a goddamn millionaire. Oh, be, dude. Who's going to win at every one of these Homer events? You really can't. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the funniest trick I got, I, 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 I got handed to me was one of my good friends, Josh Cohen, down at uh, ESPN West Palm Beach Radio. He goes, when you're at these local house shows, he said, bet people drinks, but start the bet and say red corner every time. Red corner, red corner. And it's it's true. If you bet on red, that's usually the house guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. And, and so I'm sitting there just racking up drinks after drink. People's like, how do you know this? I'm like, I'm just good. Not really. <laughs> you all just don't look at it. <laughs> one, one day they're, they're gonna switch up the corner and really fuck you up. for everybody. I'm telling you, one, one of these days someone's gonna catch on to it. They haven't yet. This has been five years, four years now. Well, you just gave yourself up now. Nah, they yeah. ain't watching. <laughs> no, I, I, I know most of those. I don't know most of those people, but I bet they ain't watching. <laughs> they, they, they. And even if they did, that trick will still work. That trick will still yeah, work. Will. Man, by <laughs> I'm telling you, next show you do, when you hang around, people try it. I'll tell everybody to try it. <laughs> well, well, when you come to the Elite Amateur Fight League show, I'll, well, we, we don't match fights like that. But if I was matching a home show, I'm putting all the winners in the blue corner. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd quit after two fights. I'd be like, man, I ain't betting nobody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what's up, man. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. You know, that's, that's a cool thing about the Elite Amateur Fight League event, man. You really, 
I mean, you're going to have some guys that are staying outs that you think are favorites and will win. But, I mean, looking at, at the talent level and, and the way we match things up, uh, it's, you know, most of these fights are a toss-up. You know, you just don't know. Uh, you got yep. really talented guys, sometimes two undefeated guys coming out of two different states with, you know, six to seven wins uh, on the record. It's You don't get to see that kind of amateur matchup anywhere else. You no. just don't. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing I love the best best about MMA, the thing I love best about MMA is the records don't always ain't always what the fighter is, you know. Because like I said, some of them dudes got flown in to, to lose, yep. you know, or they or they got or they had the just a crap coach with just a tough kid and didn't teach him anything. So I, I bet in 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 your league there, there, there's a lot of oh damn that kid came out of nowhere. Yeah, well, it happened last year in season three. We had a full team out of Virginia that was matched up against American top team out of Florida, and uh-huh. every, every analyst we had, everybody involved, is a American <laughs> top team is going to kill these guys. Like this, this isn't even going to be close. American top team is going to run through Virginia, and yeah. uh, I, so here's here's the thing: we flew out a month ahead of time to Florida, did interviews with American top team. Mm-hmm. You no know, state of the art gym. These guys are all tough. They're mm-hmm. training hard, and a lot of the questions from American Top Team was, uh, and, and this isn't a strike against them because I, I think they're great guys and they're great coaches. But it was a lot of who's after Virginia. Like, well, how's the tournament? <coughs> When's the next round? Like, they they were, I think, looking past Virginia. And then we uh-huh. fly out to Virginia, and Virginia's attitude was like, "Listen, man, we might lose this, but." Florida's going to know they came to Virginia and we're in a fight. Like, I don't care how we lose. It's going to be scrappy. It's going to be tough. We're going to fight our way through this. Like, I don't care if we lose as long as people know that Virginia can fight. And I got home and I'm like, fuck, Virginia's going to win. Like, Virginia's got the right attitude with this, right? And lo and behold, it was was one match difference, but Virginia pulled off the upset and, and sent American top team home in round number one. And uh, <laughs> you know, it, just, it just happened. But, uh, and there yep. was one decision that was questionable that would have swung it an American top team's favor. Uh, but it was a hell of a lot closer than I think the Florida guys were expecting. And, and these kids came to brawl mm-hmm. and, uh, and it was just a really good show. And you could watch that one as well on our YouTube channel. Just look up Florida versus Virginia. And uh, you can definitely see all the fights there. And, uh, You'll see the questionable one. Do me a favor, watch the uh, one. Tell me what you think, because I think it was okay. a bad decision. But I'll uh, check it. Yeah. Man. yeah. <laughs> but, and, secondly, to your point, man, um, records. Right? You were talking about records. We've offered fights to the top guys in some of the states that are undefeated or you know they're 12 and 1 or whatever, and some of these guys won't take the fight because they're looking at who's across from them. So you look at that 12 and one guy's record and realize, man, he's fought one guy with a winning record. Of course he's 12 and one. But then I got another guy that's seven and four takes the fight immediately. And I look at his record and he's fought nothing but, but, but beasts. Right. I know that guy's Mm -hmm. right. So it's not always about the ranking and the record. It's more about, you know, how these guys train their coaches know them the best. If they're willing to let them take the fight against that 12 and one guy, that coach is probably right. That guy's probably ready and knows he can compete. And that's what we yeah. see a lot. That's what's up. <laughs> and, and that always makes it so entertaining. Like, so it just adds a different level 
to it. You know what I mean? Because pe people don't research like what you did. You know what I mean? There's going to be, oh, the 7 and 4, 12 and 1. And then they say you got fight of the night because the, or knockout of the night because 7 and 4, like you said, has been fighting beasts and 12 and 1. So I had one guy. Right, right. <laughs> and that might have been where that one, that might have been where that one loss came from sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> And, and let's be honest, anybody that steps in the cage is, is fucking dangerous. No, Absolutely. I, I don't care Absolutely. what the fuck you're just oh, yeah. they're, they're dangerous guys. They're all there for a reason. They have, you know, if they're in my cage, I know they've got the right training and the right coaches and, and yep. been you know, prepared for the fight. You go to some fights and maybe that's not the case. You know, you got some guys that maybe it's their first fight or they just go in there swinging. But everybody in the amateur fight league cage is dangerous. That's what's up. That's awesome, man. Well, Jesse, thank you so much, man, for uh, being on the show. Um, uh, it, it's awesome to to finally be able to, for you to be able to be on the show and to explain to everybody, you know, what, what uh, your league is about. Um, you know, it's uh, a lot of people are going to be tuning in now and uh, they're going to be going to your YouTube channel. I'm gonna, I'll put the link in uh, our YouTube video um, once our show is uh, uploaded. Uh, so that way people can uh, also find it there and, and be able to watch all those fights uh, on your YouTube channel. Cool, man. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, so sure. before you take, before you take off, man, is there anybody you want to give a shout out to, um, you know, yeah. any, any, any sponsors or anybody, man, just yeah. go for it. Well, for sure, man. And, and I know I talk a lot and I say a lot of me and I's when I talk, <laughs> but, uh, but truly th this is a team uh, here at the Elite Amateur Fight League that I'm really proud of. We've got uh, Jim Greeshaber, who's our play-by-play -play guy. He's also our director of creative content. You'll see him on UFC Embedded. He was just at the last Apex show. Uh, you know, the guy does a great job for us. Uh, we got Frankie Signs, uh, UFC Bantamweight is our fighter relations guy. Uh, does a great job making sure that our fighters are happy, that our coaches are happy, uh, that we're doing the right things on behalf of the fighters. He's he's one of those guys that's gone through the NCAA as a wrestler. He's gone in the UFC as a professional. He's a journeyman there now. He's the perfect uh, source for us to really understand that we're providing for our athletes the right way, right? So uh, I just wanted to a big shout out to Frankie for, for jumping on board there. Uh, we also got Ryan Quinn out of American Top Team. Uh, and Ryan, you're probably pissed at me for talking about the. Uh, <laughs> fight, but, uh, you're gonna get a phone call from him. I'm gonna get a phone call probably, but uh, but Ryan does, Ryan's our league development guy, man. He knows almost every coach, every fighter up and down uh, the Eastern Seaboard, out on the West Coast. He's adding mm -hmm. a bunch of teams and, and 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 good talent this year as our league development guy. So big shout out to Ryan. Uh, we got other members of the team that I'm probably forgetting. Rob Tovar. Scott Sinclair, uh, all those guys doing a fantastic job with what they do. So just big shout out to the team, man. This isn't a one-man show. I couldn't do this by myself. And uh, those guys are are ultra valuable to what we do at 3 League Amateur Fight League. Awesome. awesome. Now, is there a, um, a way to get in contact with you if there's an amateur fighter out there that wants to um, look out maybe to join the team or um, or is it something that uh, that you all do um, you know in, in the background no that we absolutely take applications right because we we don't have reach in every corner of America there's there's a mm -hmm. guy out there we don't know about that you know is fighting out of South Dakota and the dude's a stud and has been training for years so uh, on our uh, website elite amateur fight league.com 
if you click the fighter application tab, submit all your information. It's going to go right to Ryan Quinn, our league development guy. He's going to look it over, contact you, or I'll contact you, uh, you know, to find out more information about you. But, uh, you know, right now we're going to grow to 12 teams. Our plans are 32 teams. So just because you're not in one of the states where we have a team uh, doesn't mean you shouldn't apply because we're, we're growing uh, pretty quickly. And uh, if you're one of those guys out there that you think and, that you think you're talented enough to, to fight on this level, man, reach out because uh, we'd be happy to talk to you. Awesome. Right on, man. Well, thanks so much, brother. I really do uh, appreciate you uh, being on the show with us. Uh, once uh, everything gets, uh, you know, a lot more open and, and we're able to uh, be able to cover events and you guys are able to start putting on shows, let's get you back on and uh, start promoting uh, your events, man. For sure, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Right on, man. And, Take it easy. And, and and we're gonna do our homework and watch the uh, watch the Virginia Florida. Yeah, we'll let you know. We we we're men of our word there. We're, we'll get with you. Hit me up, man, because uh, yeah, you'll and you'll see the fight, and the announcers even are, are even on it. So you, you'll see the fight that I'm talking about. I just want your opinion. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll give it to you. Yeah, I, right I, on, man. I, I believe you'll give me an opinion. 100. <laughs> oh, <he will. laughs> Arnold's gonna give you an opinion. He's gonna give you more than an opinion. <laughs> it, it'll, it'll be a write-up. It'll be a write-up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Well, have a good night, man. Yeah, you too, guys. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, yep. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> Dude, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Hell yeah, uh, man. Shoot, awesome man. dude, man. I, I love yeah. I love what with the, his concept, man. I just I, I it, it's it's just it's awesome um what he's doing for these amateurs. Um because this is something that these amateurs need. They they need something like this. They need the this Absolutely. type of exposure. Um, Absolutely. No way, they, no, no better way to do it but this way. They they need a real ranking system, a real amateur program, a real like I mean, because every combat sport has well, like boxing. You know, mainstream, it has its amateur program, you know, and the only way to make to take MMA, in my opinion, to the next level is what he's doing. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there there's another level it can go to. And people are like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean next level? That's how you make an Olympic game right there. By having an established amateur program. I like I like his mindset where he's he's thinking about, hey, you know what, as a as a small time uh, person doing shows in my state. It's not really cost effective to bring somebody in from another state to fight your guy. You know what I mean? Yep. So, you know, I, I like what he's trying to do by consolidating everything, I guess, is what you would call Bet. it. Bet yeah. on Red Corner. Yeah, bro. It's, Bet on it's Red Corner. <laughs> and I love, what, I love what he's going to start doing is uh, filming, you know, for three days the whole uh, season, I guess, you know, just mm -hmm. like how tough does it. Um, so yeah, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they, he brings a show out here in Albuquerque and me and David can be there. Bro, he already know, said and, it. And David asked him and well, David, yeah, but he rejected you. We, we're, You've been rejected. We're, you get we're nothing. Waiting, we're waiting. We're waiting for, for New Mexico to get the green light. <laughs> hey, but uh, COVID-19 fucked the whole out. world up, though. So, you know what I mean? <laughs> We're going to have it in the dungeon, the David's dungeon. Canelo watching in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
He'll be one Without of the judges. COVID-19, imagine if the COVID-19 didn't hit Rob and I, we'd, we'd already been hitting our fourth show for the summertime out here. You know, you all know that. Mm-hmm. And, and along the lines yeah, of our guests, um, we, we know we promote the amateurs. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of them climb the rankings and that's what it's all mm-hmm. about. It was great having Jesse on and hearing his inside and, uh, you know, getting his promotion out there. Cause yeah, COVID-19 fucked the world up, but uh, everything's going to come <laughs> back and it's really going to get back to normal somewhat, you know? And let's not forget yeah, they, they have a fight book MMA belt. That's right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that's coming bad. back. Yeah, we'll be back. We're gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to Jesse and, and figure something out to where we can do uh, a championship belt for the for the league. Yeah. Hell yeah. So awesome. So but, we uh, have a little bit of time. Um the yeah, moving card... forward, uh, yeah, we should try yeah. some uh what do you call it? Rapid fire sitting ringside questions here. I guess I could start it for y'all. Okay. Ah, go for it, go for it. All right. Uh, the Amanda Nunez, right? King or queen, I'm sorry, queen of the, you know, the division. I mean, just the <laughs> GOAT. I mean, uh, Conor McGregor, the supposed GOAT, trying to steal the shine, retiring from MMA, and the game doesn't interest him anymore. <clears throat> Y'all buying that bullshit. I, I want to take this first. <laughs> Fuck Conor McGregor. The chain's coming up. The chain's coming up. All I got to say is fuck Conor McGregor. I don't even care. The world don't care. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck. That's why he's trying to steal glory. Done. Next question. Yep. Oh, my bad. Trying to steal the shine. Trying to steal the shine of somebody who did it right that has two division champ or two division or belts and two divisions that's defended both belts. When has Conor defended a belt? So. He hasn't changed that much. He's still trying to steal people's shine. And, so fuck it. And he's going and he's going on his third fucking retirement. He said he's already tweeted that he's coming back. I'm hoping it's third time's a charm and motherfucker stays gone. Leave Carter alone. You yeah, know there's people right, out there. You Rudy. know there's people crying in the background. Leave him alone. <laughs> Rudy says yeah. that because he's a quarter Irish. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's one loss away from people not giving a shit too. Kind of like uh, who me or Connor? Yeah, no, and then, uh, you were. And then leading into the next thing, I mean, John Jones. Speaking of a guy who people really, I mean, he's a goat too. People really mm-hmm. don't give a shit probably when he fights again. Honestly, in my nope. opinion, I don't give a shit if John Jones fights again. I don't. I mean, the Dominic Reyes fight is out there. I want to hear about that being announced. We know Stipe and uh, DC got the trilogy lined up, but mm-hmm. John Jones, Dominic Reyes, does that fight happen? The rematch? No, no. It, okay. Yeah. Reyes was the guy well, he fought last, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No. Nope. Too dangerous. Too dangerous. Getting a little old. Taking too much time between these fights. Too much cocaine between fights. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> none, of that, none, none of those. Too much cocaine, not enough steroids. He's not even and out the same anymore. Not gonna happen. Yeah, definitely not a draw. He's not a draw. We know. Honestly, the only fight I want to see John Jones do at light heavyweight is against the Maheta. Yeah, the rematch against. I want to see that rematch, bro. Bring that shit back. It would have been a completely different fight had he not got injured, bro. I can guarantee Mm -hmm. that. And I want to see that fight, bro. I want to see yeah, that. Santos fight. won on, on one leg. Santos won. Yeah, he did. Yeah, fuck yeah, he did. Bet your ass, he we did, all bro. Said, we all said that from the last time. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That's the fight that that they need to fucking make, bro. 
See, there's but three. John Jones is asking for more money, and that's why he's like, "I'm, you know, I'm gonna relinquish my title." <laughs> Fuck you, Dana. Yeah, he, he asking for he's asking for more money because of how close these last fights have been. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, "Man, I'm about to get my ass beat. I better start asking for a couple more." Million. <laughs> I don't know how much more of a draw I'm gonna be. <laughs> See, and then then uh, three. Uh, speaking of the money, the fighter pay. I mean, three big time names: uh, Masvidal, Jones, McGregor. None of them have fights right now, but uh, we do have Justin Gaethje against Khabib, which is also mm-hmm. booked. We do have uh, uh, Usman versus Gilbert Burns is actually getting the title shot in two weeks. It's about fucking time. Yeah, he's coming back at 170 to fight Usman. Um, I don't know. I, at the way, my, I'm going to start with me. Like I'm going to say that the fight itself is very deserving of Burns just because of the performance yep. and he's willing to fight. But then again, he's the cheaper option. He's going to be paid yep. a lot less than Colby Covington. Uh, Masvidal's asking for a lot of money, so he's ruled out. Um, so, yeah, Gilbert Burns, he definitely deserves it, but it's uh, he's the cheaper option. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. Easy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and, and and he'll come in and put on a show. Yeah, yeah. I think he goes yeah. in there, goes to war against Usman. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. He, he, and, he's if, a, and if he wins his next fight, you know he's going to get paid. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You I know? mean, it's it, it's a it's a win win for him. Either he's going to get a title mm-hmm. shot, still get some kind of a payday, or he wins and gets the big money after that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I like it. I thought and he's one of the. <laughs> One of the few guys to ever call out his teammate. So he's fighting his teammate, Usman. So mm-hmm. one of the few guys yeah. to ever do that and actually get the shot. So maybe Usman sees it as an easy fight, but uh, I think Gilbert Burns goes in there and, Ooh, and does some damage. I, though. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. That, that's a setup <laughs> fight. That's a setup fight because they're teammates. Hey, dog, I'll get you. I'll, I'll get you the uh, 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 title shot. Cool. We'll make you a little cash on the side, probably a little extra bonus. Somewhere oh, yeah. hey. Boom, watch it. This motherfucker's getting lights out in round one. Where's the X-Files? I'm, call, I'm, call, I'm, call, I'm calling conspiracy. Where's the X-Files? We need the X-Files. Music I'm calling on. conspiracy on that one. Because especially if you start seeing uh, these these weigh-ins and all these uh, when they're going to promote the fight, if you start seeing them cheesing and acting goofy, nah, that shit ain't real. They, they just fucking off and it's just to fill, it's, it's to fill in the card. Until they can get someone, uh, someone, someone, uh, like the Masvidal or 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 uh, Covington again, you know. Not, uh, that's my, that's just my opinion. Just my opinion. <laughs> on I the next, pissed off half, pissed off half America. <laughs> yep. And it's uh, once again, it's all about the money and a yep. controversial character who's very well known. Absolutely. about this fight goes by the name of Nate Diaz. Supposedly he's supposed to fight Masvidal is what I'm hearing. That fight's brewing up, but Connor's in the mix. Masvidal's there. Connor knows that the only 55-pound fight for him is, you know, the Khabib rematch or whatever, the dream rematch. We know Justin Gaethje's, mm-hmm. you know, got a date set, but uh, Connor's next fight's at 170 mm-hmm. uh, against Nathan Diaz. Diaz said the uh, Usman uh, Gilbert Burns fight is bullshit. It's not a real title fight, but it's Nate Diaz. I mean, shit, man. Like, I mean, they got to get him a fight. Uh, put him on the undercard of uh, the Gaethje Khabib or so. You know what I mean? We got a good time frame there. Nate's been recovering. You know, he's had that cut on the side, and it looked like he got bit by a shark last time he fought Masvidal. But, but, uh, it, it ain't getting no better. Those scars yeah. don't get no better, dog. He's going like two and a half rounds this next time. And I guarantee it splits open again in round one. 
Yeah. I, I mean, it's it, there's it, when you look at those Diaz boys' face, all you see is scar tissue right here. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Like they got like Frankenstein eyebrows of just scar tissue <laughs> just floating. That's all they got. I guarantee. I guarantee they bump their head on on anything that that shit splits open. It ain't getting no better. I mean, he can fight his ass off still. I give him credit. But uh, that he's he's gonna cut up worse than ever. And that cut, the one that he, the one that you just talked about, the shark bite, dude, it's in a bad spot too. It's in a bad spot. It's not any of these low ones are on the sides. It's right in the bad spot, man. So yeah. even even if he comes back and gets Masvidal, I think it ends quicker with with another cut situation. Piss America off twice. And he better be yeah, careful when he's getting, uh, you know, getting ready to get inside the cage. If the cup man puts too much uh, Vaseline pressure on there, my same thing. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're, they're pop open. Not, yeah, just like a pimple. He just does this, and it just busts open, man. <laughs> I can't yeah, you scratching his eyebrow, Yeah, always concerning with Nate because you know he's cut every mm-hmm. every fight. You know, there's nasty cutting against Connor. So I think uh, I don't know. I'm gonna look in the crystal ball, and uh, we're looking forward. I think there's a possible, maybe a Tony Ferguson, uh, Nate Diaz fight. But I think Conor McGregor, though, for the leverage he thought he used to have on the UFC, even though they, you know, he demanded stakes in the company and all that. Like, if he really wants to gain all that shit back, he needs to call out Jorge Masvidal. They need to pay him because if Conor can take a Masvidal out, take that BMF title, that's his way back to, you know, demanding. Star- yeah, title. absolutely. So, I mean, I think that's why Masvidal and Nate won't happen. Connor Masvidal is going to happen somehow, somehow. And and what, with your prediction with that right there, and like you said, that's Connor's way of jumping back into superstardom. Realistically, the BMF title is just your fantasy fights. Mm-hmm. That's that's all it is. It's it's the fight to say, well, Connor ain't really been relevant, but he's still a bad motherfucker. Well, Masvidal, he's been fighting tooth and nail his whole fucking career to make a name. Yeah. Finally made one off that Askren knee. Well, and, and Masvidal knows it. Why do you think he ain't quick to jump on a on a title fight? Because he's like, fuck, I can defend this BMF belt, and they're going to pay us tons of money because it's a fantasy fight. And no. the thing, I, and and I think that's why uh, UFC made that belt because eventually, what you're going to see is they're going to see how it plays out at 170 with that uh, with that uh, BMF belt. And the reason they, I think, the reason they made it 170 is because they know. People at 55 walk around close to 170 or above 170. People at 85 can cut down to 170. They kept it right at a range where they can pull from different uh, divisions and make it, make them fight at at one weight and, and and not have to stay at that weight. They can they can go off and hey, I fuck, I lost. Oh well, I was too small to be in there. They got an excuse to drop back down to 55. Oh man, the, the 85 the 85 cut back down to 70 was too hard for me. That's why that little dude beat me. Bump back up to 85, go clean fucking house. You always got a little bit of an asterisk beside every time they lose. That's just my mm-hmm. opinion. Next thing, next thing you're gonna see is they're gonna move that that uh BMF belt up to heavyweight so 205ers can go up there and fight for it and heavyweights and make dream matches, which would be like perfect for Nganu and Jones. Yep. Yeah. And, and it may not be the belt it, too. Because I think DC, and, I forgot who was mentioning it, and uh, Bisbing also said, he's like, we're in a point now where the belts really don't matter. You know, no. I mean, there could be the matchup, like you said, the Ngannou-Jones fight. There's no belt involved. We know Steve no. and DC are going to do their thing, but 
we're in a period now where, yeah, the BMF title with Masvidal very important because it's going to be a huge fight. No matter who we who the it's going to be Connor. You know, it's going to be Connor. And, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and the, the the thing the thing I'm going to say about that is it could backfire on us making these fantasy belts for fantasy matches because then, like like you just said, it takes away a lot of relevancy out of out of your champion. Oh well. Yeah. Why, and then all of a sudden, people ain't caring about who your champion is. They're only going to want to see your fantasy matchups. Oh, yeah. It's leading towards that. It really is. Yeah. And, and that, that may be why they created Fantasy Island. Fantasy I mean, fight Island. Island. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I go catch that one. Uh, real, hey, real quick. We're, we run way past time. Let's throw one out there real quick with the. Uh, uh, Tyson Fury just announcing that if he gets past Wilder, I think it's October or September, he gets Anthony Joshua. What y'all take on that one? I like it personally. About fucking time we get it in boxing. They unify all the fucking belts in the heavyweight division. Uh, I think Fury smashes Wilder again. I think he probably does it under 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 six rounds. Uh then I think he takes the fight to Joshua, and Joshua he's just as quick on his feet. So I think he beats Joshua twice. They get they if 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 he beats Wilder, he signed for two fights. Yeah, I like it. I, 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 I like this matchup. I love it, and I want to see Joshua versus Fury. I really, mm-hmm. really want to see that fight again. Like me being an avid boxing, you know, avid boxing fan, I, I boxing needs this fight. Boxing needs this hype. And we kind of said it when Fury beat Wilder that if anybody's going to bring it back, it's him right now. Mm. He's entertaining. He's entertaining. He goes for the gusto, obviously, against big, heavy-handed people. He could take an ass whooping to give one. Can't ask for much more. But, yeah, I agree with you, Birdo. I like it, too. Yep. And it's going to be a fucking badass fight. And yeah. I, think, I, think, I think Fury is going to finish – Finish the fight probably in the second round. With Wilder? Yep. Over okay. I see, yeah, I don't see it going that long. I don't see yeah, it going no. that long either. And I now, mean I don't even know with Joshua. It could be, you know, I don't know. Probably on the ninth, ninth or tenth round. I, I think I think if he if he fights Joshua, if, if he gets when he gets if if and when he gets past Wilder, when he gets uh when he gets uh Joshua. I see Joshua to do the same boxing stuff that he was doing to Ruiz. Only difference is he's going to have a six foot nine guy in there instead of a uh, six foot one guy. He's going to have a guy that can cover just as much range when he's taking a step. That mm-hmm. when he cut when he goes to cut him off in the ring, he's going to be able to cut him off and not have to. When Anthony Joshua's two step and Andy Ruiz had a four step, so and it's going to be a two stepping contest with him and. Actually, probably Josh was only six six. He's gonna have to be the one that's gonna be four step and just to stay ahead. Yep. So I mean that that's that's the difference makers I see coming up. Uh and both are both are outstanding boxers, so that's not even the question. What do you think, D Rod? Yeah, Fury's a he's the bowling ball and he's coming at you. And I think he's <laughs> definitely gonna earn some big win. I mean, the the wilder, I mean, you know he's he's gotta try to get that one back. But I think um, it's going to be a little bit too quick. But it's a big fight for boxing. They definitely need it. Yep. Fury's the go until proven otherwise. Got to go with Fury all the way through. He's a superstar. He proved it. Ab- 
Absolutely. No, I agree 100%, though. Well, fellas, I think we're about out of time. I think Rudy, Rudy's ready to cut it out. He's passing yep. out. I got my cat jumping <laughs> oh, on I'm the not table. Out. <laughs> Before we end the show. And I, think, I, think show. Rudy, I think Rudy's dog is out there barking at us, too. <laughs> No, before we end but, the show, though, we got to wish a happy birthday to the prophet. Ah, ah yes, prophet. sir. Uh, Our producer, Rudy Lara. Definitely. Happy birthday, brother. Thank you, dude. Definitely, man. Happy birthday. Thank you, yes, brother. Sir. Had a yes, big sir. old uh, 100, 200, I don't even know how many piece chicken nugget this was, but I ate <laughs> half of them, bro. Okay, okay. I'm still eating them. <laughs> <laughs> Like that—that's how he was talking on the on the mic there when he was talking to uh, the elite amateur. He's like, "Yeah, so, <laughs> bro, they, they must." I, I swear to God, everybody who gets on our show is probably like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" And nobody could ever see me. <laughs> Did you see but me doing weird you. shit in the background? That's because you're the prophet. They only hear you. <laughs> Yeah, they don't need to see you. They can just, they just only need to hear you. It's awesome, yeah. bro. It's awesome. <laughs> All right, Berto, you better give the send-off. Yes, sir. Awesome show, guys. Again, um, thanks and a huge shout-out to everybody that's watching, everybody that's listening. Thank you so much for your support. Um, shout-out to Brave. Shout-out to uh, Fight TV. Um, Rudy, thanks again. And, fellas, again. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show tonight. Um, you can find all your news, everything that you need to know about combat sports at fightbookmma.com. Don't forget to get some merch. I'm wearing the Fightbook MMA shirt. Like, um, share, subscribe. I, like, share, and subscribe. Yep. You can get the hat. Um, Arlo has a hat, too. Um, yep. Our guys over at uh, the group at Fightbook MMA, um, Ray Castro, he bought the um, face shield and the uh, uh, shirt as well. So show your support. Go to fightbookmma.com, shop around. You can even buy a sitting ringside shirt as well. Um, again, congrats to the other show that uh, uh, Fightbook MMA produces, um, Pride Rules MMA. Um, check them out every Monday night, and hopefully we'll be able to see them on Fight as well. Um, other than that, Arlo. Close out the show, brother. Boom. All right. Remember to click, like, share the video on Facebook, YouTube. Berto, your head just fell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that fucking scared me, bro. <laughs> did you his see that? His, ga did. his camera gimbal is like his penis. It gets limp. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so cool i need to do a fucking night investigation at this I'll house tell you, before before Berto gets gets possessed over here and it went far like it went far it did it, it popped out it like yeah out of the wall matrix glitch in the matrix uh, it has to be it has to be uh like i said before like like us on facebook like us on uh, youtube click like subscribe share do everything you can for us help support us uh, like we always do about this time. Remember, like I've been saying for a while, keep practicing your social distancing. Uh, be prepared, not scared. Remember, like right now, even more than ever, love yourself and love one another. Till next week, remember when you want the best seat in the house, there's only one place to be that's sitting ringside with the four horsemen of combat sports. Till next week, we're out.